and welcome to the Digital Ideas podcast. In this episode, we'll be talking about the mythical term of engagement. What does it mean? What does it look like? Why should we care whether our content is engaging or not? And we'll finish with some quick tips and tools. I'm Lee and I'm the digital content developer at Colleague Gwent and I produce digital content and learning objects. I'm joined today by Glyn Rogers, the digital teaching lead at Colleague Gwent. Thanks for joining me today. Do you want to explain what your role is, Glyn? Yeah, that's my pleasure. Yes, I look at ways of using technology effectively in teaching and learning and sharing that widely with staff and finding out what best practice is. Fantastic. OK, let's dive straight into the first question. Question one, what do we mean when we talk about engagement? Um, now, the word engagement or engaging is bandied around a lot. And, and when I started to do some thinking around this for the podcast, um, I thought this is a term that's quite abstract and really hard to pin down. Yeah, so I googled it and here's the dictionary definition of it. It's the act of engaging or the state of being engaged. Involvement. No, that's not particularly helpful, is it? <laughs> but you dug a little deeper, didn't you? Yeah, I dug a little deeper and I looked up the term digital engagement. I thought that might have a different slant. And it seems this term is used a lot in marketing. So digital engagement is anything and everything that involves an online conversation or interaction. So we're getting a bit warmer now. Um, and it seems like the word engagement is used a lot to measure the performance of digital campaigns and things like that. Um, and just to make things more complicated, the word engaging can also be used as, as an adjective to mean winning, attractive or pleasing. Um, so, Glyn, what do you mean when you talk about engagement with regards to teaching and learning? Yeah, so engagement is a heavily used term in terms of teaching and learning. For me, it means that the learners are being attentive. What's important is that the learner is actively thinking, that's what I mean by engagement, about the topic or task and is making new connections. This process of thinking involves some effort on the part of the learner. So being engaged means that the learner, if you know what I mean, is sort of willing to make that effort. So it's tied up with a number of different things in the classroom, how motivated the learner is, the confidence of that learner, the kind of classroom environment that you're creating, uh, if the learner is distracted and lots of other things as well. What about okay. you? What, does that make sense to you? Yeah, I, I think when I think of engagement, I'm sort of combining elements of both. I'm thinking about digital content that grabs your attention, that yeah. connects with you, that holds that connection. And that also uh, on a superficial level, looks good, feels good to interact with. So right. I'm thinking quality images, uh, quality text, videos that are relevant, and that there are the, uh, meaningful moments um, for the audience to interact with this content and get value for their time. So that could be getting valuable information or, or entertainment. Right, okay. Okay, question two. So we're getting a little clearer on what, it, on what engagement means, but how does that actually translate into practice? Um, so... Glyn, what does engaging content look like to you? Right, well, there's a, a fair bit of research out there about technology and its potential to excite and engage learners with content. But I think we need to be careful here. Simply looking at content on a device doesn't necessarily mean that the learners are actually focusing on their learning goals. 
they might be busy but not actually thinking about what they're supposed to be learning so being busy for me can be quite a poor proxy for engagement as as i would define it i would call this kind of thing fake or i suppose false engagement so for example a learner could be busy drawing and animating an historical character on an ipad say but spending hours on that, you know, but not actually learning much about that person. <laughs> um, another example would be a learner who is focusing so much on being the first to, to complete a Kahoot quiz or whatever it might be, that they aren't actually giving much thought to the answer. So engaging content should help focus the learner's attention on the learning goal rather than distract from it. Uh, there's a, an American author called Liz Kolb, and she points out that we as lecturers or teachers can use some strategies to help with that engagement. Things like modelling answers or modelling mo the use of that technology and giving learners plenty of opportunity to reflect on their learning with that content. So, so that's it from a kind of a, as a teacher uh, and trying to get the learners engaged. But in terms of the actual design of of that content then, Lee, how how do you see that? Well, on a surface level, um, the learner or audience won't value your content if your images are grainy and pixelated. Um, right. So for instance, if you're just repurposing a large chunk of text and just pasted it in without any thought to that reader experience online, um, we know online audiences read differently. Um, so you really do need to think and consider consider these audience preferences. Um, I really think that online audiences, in this case learners, can tell when care and attention has gone into their course or, mm. or that online learning experience. My background's in digital comms and marketing, so I tend to look at how my content is performing. Um, so I kind of ask myself lots of questions like, you know, are, are the learners interacting with the content? Or how are they interacting with the content? Is it doing the job I want it to do? How easy is it for the audience to interact with the content? Do we have analytics maybe or access to those analytics to indicate how it's performing? Are there ways to make the interaction more effective? And sometimes these can be really simple tweaks like, you know, changing the position of a button on the page or, or um, you know, making sure that the instructions are above the inter interactive object rather than below. So all of these little simple things we can tweak. Um, so, right, so sorry, Lee, when you talk about analytics there, are you talking about kind of page views and that kind of thing? Um, it can be a, an assortment of different things. So a lot of our content that we're placing online are kind of like um, little tiny building blocks really and you're sort of building on that knowledge and information as you go through the course um, so for instance you wouldn't start off with a quiz you'd put the information first for them to digest and uh, maybe there's a video to watch before a quiz um, but obviously if that if that those quiz analytics are not good then you know maybe you need to go back and revisit that earlier content and check that that is doing the job so it's it's quite a holistic approach really i think Got um, you, right I, I would look at that in terms of um yeah sort of giving the learners feedback and getting some data on how they're, they're performing as a as a learner and identifying gaps in their knowledge and understanding that's really interesting yeah and, and especially with things like that like online quizzes are so quite quick and easy to produce Glenn, aren't they so you can yeah. really embed those throughout your course 
to check that that um, information that you're sharing is hitting the mark and checking your, that the learners are on track. So in a nutshell, engaging content is looking good, it's looking inviting, it's easy to interact with, it's clear as a learner uh, or as the audience what is expected of me and why I'm doing it. I'm motivated and I'm getting good value for my time. Mm, right. So question three, why should we care about engagement? Glyn, I'm looking at you. <laughs> <laughs> well, if, if we are purposefully thinking and engaging in the stuff that we are studying, then we are learning, right? So I mentioned that this is tied up with learner motivation and research by Carol Dweck, not Carol Decker, but uh, <laughs> Carol Dweck of growth mindset fame. So she's famous for sort of bringing this idea of growth mindset into, uh, into the conversation in education. Her research shows a real positive link between academic motivation and attainment. So it's about attainment. It's about making sure that the learners aren't being passive and, and the material is just washing over them. It's about them using their brains to engage with that content. How about you, Lee? Um, for me, it's all about that experience. So we've all been um, and attended really boring PowerPoints with people who perhaps haven't thought about that end user experience. So droning on and on, slide after slide, packed with lots of information, but some simple tweaks to the presentation design, perhaps, you know, thinking about the pace of information that you're sharing, introducing those audience interactions, perhaps with polls, maybe to keep the audience involved. All mm. of these simple things can transform that experience and, and instantly make it more active and, in, and engaging. Um, if we stop and consider what that what the audience needs from us, how we can package up that information into a format that's relevant, inviting, motivating them, um, then we're well on the way to engaging them in a meaningful way. Oh, absolutely. Yes, totally agree. OK, question four. Um, any quick tips to make our content more engaging? I mean, it's a term that we've again, we're using in the, as a shorthand, but what what does it look like in practice? What can we actually do to make it more engaging? So to go back to this idea of avoiding false engagement, this sort of fake being busy, but not actually being engaged. My first tip would be to think about what you want them to learn first and then plan your content and all the activities around that content to meet that goal. And that'll keep your learning objectives on track then, Glenn, right? Absolutely. And hopefully improvements in entertainment too. Yeah. So my second tip would be to keep it straightforward and to keep it accessible. The technology shouldn't get in the way, but it should help with the learning. And if it does get in the way for any reason, get rid and find another way of uh, delivering that content. If a tool is new to the learners, however, show them how to use it. Show them how to access the content too. Um, so don't assume that they know how to use everything. Office 365 and Canvas have great accessibility tools, so make sure that you and your learners know how to use them uh, so that you can remove any barriers to engagement too. Uh, this also means trying to follow accessibility guidelines uh, so that every learner can access that content. Absolutely, because if we don't do that, then we're not including everyone in that online experience that we're trying to share with every, everyone. And tip three, uh, would be that technology is great for providing instant feedback to learners. So activities that can help them understand their strengths and 
areas where they need to improve. We've mentioned quizzes already. I think they can be a really effective way of doing that, of providing that instant formative feedback to learners. But bear in mind that the way you design and the type of questions you ask uh, will determine how well that learner thinks. So bear that in mind when you are creating your quizzes. So those are my three tips. How about you, Lee? Tip one, my advice would be to always think of your audience. What do they need to know? What do they like? How can you tailor the content to their needs? Um, now, we know online audiences tend to be a lot more pragmatic and look for a quick solution. So it might be better, for instance, to produce a series of mini, mini videos to demonstrate something rather than just one big mammoth video. And that would mean then that your learners can jump to the part that's relevant for them at that particular moment. Um, the best thing for teachers is that as well as using the online analytics that we mentioned, they've actually know their audience. They're sitting with them a lot of the time um, and you can talk to them directly. So I would I would always ask the learners what they thought of the content and use that feedback then to improve in future. Tip two. Um, consider the most effective tool or format for the job. Now we know that there are multiple digital tools out there and sometimes picking the wrong tool will instantly make your content to turn off. So I would always say take some time out at the beginning to work out the best tool for the job um, and really play to the strengths of that tool or format. Um, and I would also add it here as, an, as a word of caution, don't just use a new tool because it's a novelty. Um, think about the end goal and whether this got, this tool is is doing what you need it to do and that's kind of echoing what you mentioned earlier glenn i totally um, agree with that i think that's spot on yeah absolutely tip three um and this is something i do um myself find a critical friend so everything you see online um has usually been proof checked by an editor or a colleague um, so why not do the same with your, your online learning content? Um, find a colleague who can share honest, constructive feedback with you. Now, it might be a bit awkward at first um, and, you know, what, you, you kind of feel a bit vulnerable asking someone what they think about your work. Um, but collaboration will always help spark new ideas or shed some new light on something that you might not have considered. So buddy up with someone and share each other's um, work and, and provide feedback. Um, now, Glyn, you're often my critical friend when it comes to producing new digital content. And this has always been really useful for me because you've got that different viewpoint um, from your subject specialism, for, from your teaching, uh, with your teaching hat on. It's always been really useful. Oh, well, that's kind of you to say. And likewise, I think um, whenever I produce anything that might go onto the teaching and learning SharePoint site or whatever, I always hand it over to you and a couple of my other colleagues in the quality team just to make sure it's hitting the right note. And I think part of that is, is to be open to that. Um, it's not criticism, it's constructive no. criticism. And I think that's really important when you are making any content, for sure. Absolutely. The end goal is always to try and get a better piece of work at the end of it so as long as everyone's on the same page with that then there's no there's no need to be offended or, or scared of sharing anything I uh, absolutely agree yeah absolutely fab right lastly I'm introducing a quick fire round now Glenn uh, <laughs> what, are, what are our top three digital tools to make content more engaging go 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 okay Glenn oh, three, oh three no. Well, no <laughs> well I, I did say the right tool for the right job so Ah, it will depend on the, the learning outcome you're trying to achieve, really. That said, though, I will go with Canvas. 
Canvas has great tools in it, within it, so I'll mention three of them. So tool number one, Canvas Quizzes, a great tool for those uh, low stakes tests so that learners really get thinking about their prior learning, or, or the things we were talking about earlier. Tool two then, of course, the pages in Canvas. Everything is in one place, so the learners don't have to jump out and go everywhere. They're focused straight on the task, and you can embed things, you can add different apps to them, and they also have great accessibility tools built in. Tool three, well, the Canvas modules. That's a great way of organizing your pages, your quizzes, the discussion posts and assignments into a sequence. So the learners can see progression they've made and they can revisit anything anytime they want with one click. What's also great about those is that you can add requirements to modules so that learners need to unlock them like a bit of a game type thing, if you like. Um, so they can earn badges as well. You can add badges to modules for completing activities too. So three great tools there. Obviously, with those badges, make sure they're not just running for the badge, but they're actually learning something too. And your time's oh. up, Glenn. Ooh, was that we, quick we, enough for you, Lee? We should have introduced like a timer then or something to add a bit of pressure to the, to the I felt, questions. I felt pressured enough as it is. Right, your turn now. The spotlight's on you. What are your okay. three tools? Uh, my tools are, funnily enough, tools that could be used with canvas um, Ooh, so tool nice. one canva i love it it's an easy super easy design tool to really level up your presentations infographics any visual resources and if you think you're not a designer think again there's just loads of templates and things to tweak all done for you all you need to do is just change the colors and the text and, and they're good to go uh, tool two h5p and that's specifically for creating interactive learning objects. They're easy to produce. They prompt learner interaction and look great within the Canvas LMS course. So they can really add notes of, um, you know, in well, I, I'm going to use the word engagement <laughs> in your steady course. Now, steady now, <laughs> <laughs> Tool three, Wakelet. It's a quick tool to power up your resource lists and enhance them with text, images, videos. They look great embedded in Canvas LMS and you can use them for collaboration too. So, and they're, they're really, really quick to turn around those Wakelet collections. Oh, I do love Wakelet, yeah. And I've recently started using Canva. What a great tool that is as well. So thank you for introducing that to me, uh, Lee. Yeah, Fantastic. three great choices there, lovely. These are I think Canva is now part of my DNA. I use it so much. It's just like part and parcel of what I do. Right, wrapping things up, Glyn. Um, I'd like to wrap up with a quote from Steve Jobs from way back in 1997, going old school with this quote. Um, he said, you've got to start with the customer experience and work backwards to the technology. You can't start with the technology and then try to figure out where to sell it. Now, I think oh, right. this quote still stands because we can apply it to our educational settings. So let's not jump on any digital fads just because we think it's a, a shortcut to engagement. Let's really put, put that customer or learner experience first and then work backwards and figure out how best to create a meaningful, valuable, engaging experience for them. Yeah, and for anybody who doesn't know, of course, Steve Jobs was the CEO of Apple, wasn't he? And bought in the iPad and the iPhone. Yeah, fantastic. And and I think he it shows if he was thinking of this way back in 1997, like it shows how kind of um, 
how much of a visionary thinker he was. Like, you know, it's all yeah. about the, the goal at the end of the day. It's not about the technology. Yeah, and the idea of it being meaningful, that's so important. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> so absolutely. Thank, you. <laughs> <laughs> so thank you for listening to this episode. I feel like we've explored quite an abstract concept today, Glenn. I think we set ourselves up for quite a challenge there. It's proved quite hard to pin down, but... I really hope we've shed some light and given you some food for thought. Um, I'm Leah Moore and I've been joined by Glyn Rogers. Thanks for joining us today. We hope this made you think about your content and in your engagement and how you can build on it. Um, do drop us a line and let us know what your favourite tools are. So thanks, Glyn. Oh, my pleasure. Bye, everyone.